All right, Ray West, singer of the rock band Spread Eagle and some other projects, is here today. He's got some great stories, insights, and responses to my questions. Some interesting run-ins with other musicians, too. Lots of great stuff coming right up. Why is that always the... The, the case why is it that cliche so true that it's like i feel like that's so many uh musicians i interview they start out and they have success and then they get into drugs and then they sober up uh creativity equals pain equals childhood traumas and a lot of like delusional wannabe things you think you're supposed to be doing you know like mm -hmm. i told someone like when i was a little you know uh the janice joplin you know, it was like, oh, man. And she did what? Oh, well, okay. Well, I'll never do that. And all of a sudden you're like, hmm, I'm a little bored. I got some downtime. What do I do? You know, it's, let me get rid of this. Yeah, uh, that's going to be part of the issue is the downtime. I, I, cause there's a lot of when you're, you're, you're busy, but at the same time, like in between shows, like you get to a city and then you have a lot, you only really doing a show for like an hour and a half, sometimes less, sometimes 20, 30 minutes if you're opening, right? Yeah. And it, it, you know, it depends on who you're hanging with. You know what I mean? It's like when I was younger, you learn your lessons the hard way. I had to learn. My, I know people that have never touched a drop or sniffed anything or whatever, you know, but I'm just, it's just so people either do it and they stay with it or they do it and they never touch it again. Yeah. And yeah, I it's interesting. yeah, you're right. Cause some of the people that don't, it's like they figure another way. I was just had the basis from rat on uh one uh, crucier or I think that's how you say it. Uh, but yeah, he was telling me how he would, Back in the day, this is before like laptops and stuff. He would bring all these like mixers and stuff to when he would tour and he would, he would set up in the hotel room and he would write songs and like tinker and stuff. I was like, wow, that's like hardcore. Sounds like you didn't have a lot of time to do partying and stuff. So, well, you know, and nowadays people are like, you know, people are, people are like, they looking healthy, they're looking fit. You know, the rock star image was different back in my day. You didn't do that. You know, now it's like guys are looking all buff. They're having like Red Bulls backstage. It was different when we were, you know, it's just, oh, yeah. Did you ever read a uh, Sebastian Box book? No, I didn't, but I, you know, I have it queued up on Audible. That's oh, it is a great. I did, I read it in like two days, but there was a, a part in there. I think he, I want to say he was on tour with Bon Jovi, maybe it might have been Richie Sambora. And he said that he took his shirt off and he had like a beer gut. And then Sebastian Bach was like, What the? And then Richie was like, Ah, a little cocaine will clear this right up or something. I was like, <laughs> What? Like, that was like a thing you did in the 80s. Like, you just took some cocaine to like lose weight. It's funny, like the it was it the original diet plan, the cocaine diet they called it. But I mean, I guess so. I, I was on my downtime. We weren't touring at that time back then. The days we weren't touring, we were just about to leave the label. When I left the label, I really just sort of boredom and uh, depression and everything just sort of piled in on me. And someone just said, "Hey, Ray, man, uh, I got something for you." And you know what I mean? And I was gullible, I was insecure, and so it just made me it made the world go away. Is it harder to get drugs though after you leave a band like that? Now it's like. Uh, you're not getting them for free as much, right? That's right. That's what happens. Everything's for free. I didn't pay. I didn't pay for a drink since I was like 15 years old being in bands. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah, everything was free. And then you find yourself, you know, your savings account gets dwindled and your friends don't want to talk to you anymore. No one wants to loan you any money. It gets pretty ugly. You know, you become another person. You know, you could be the nicest guy in the world, soulful, kind, but this thing turns you into something else because it, it turns you into a zombie. You know, all you want to do is, is feed and, and, you know, it's pretty ugly. Yeah. What you, your drug of choice was what it was. Uh... I fell into heroin. Oh, the hard stuff. Damn. Okay. The class a, you know, uh, seventh degree arrest, felony arrest. Um, it, it just happened, you know, it wasn't something I was proud of, you know, but it just seemed like at the time in, in Manhattan where I was living, everybody was doing it. And it seemed the norm. You went to an ecstasy party. There was heroin, sniffed it, you know. And uh, I knew guys that came over there. I would have, I won't say any names. A particular person we probably both know. We were sitting down one night, and he asked me to get him. A particular person asked me to get him some heroin. Go, I can't sleep. Okay, great. They're sniffing cocaine all night. I'm on the other side of the table, just chilling. And they're like, "You can have the rest of the bag." So I, oh, I'll sniff the dope, you know. And as they're sniffing cocaine, they said to me, "You know, that stuff's going to kill you." I wow. thought that was serious. I'm come on, man. So everybody has their different views on it. 
you know, it just, I fell into it. Uh, luckily years later, I snapped out of it, but I have a lot of friends that didn't snap out of it. And there's, there's yeah. people that have really bad stories, worse stories than me. Those are the ones that aren't alive, you know? So it just, it just took away my, it took away everything. It took away yeah. the money, my friendships, my relationships. It all fell away for a while. I was just like at rock bottom on my own. So how, how'd you snap out? It was like a rock bottom moment. Was there something that one thing yeah. that happened? You know, they, they say you just get sick and tired of being sick and tired, you know, and uh, I, I wanted to get back into the human race because you just fall away from the world. And also raising my boy Brando, that snapped me out of, you know, that mm-hmm. yeah, that came a couple a couple years later, but it kind of snapped me out of it, you know. I, I think you just an inner, an inner an inner strength sort of just finds you and says, you know, what do you want to do? Are you going to die or are you going to live? It's, it's it's an easy choice. You know, mm-hmm. it's, not a, it's not a recreate. Nobody can use heroin recreationally. It's impossible. Well, that's the same thing you're seeing, um, uh, or we're seeing over here. I'm in Arizona, but uh, we have the, like the fentanyl problem. It's just, I yeah. think it's in Seattle too. I think it's either fentanyl or heroin. A lot of those homeless people are, and it's just, it's sad. And now there's some new drug drug called Trank, and you'd see these people online, and they just they're like they lo- literally look like a zombie, and they're just like they're just like falling asleep, standing up. It's weird. Yeah, there's always going to be some new thing, you know, whether it's made in the lab. Or someone discovers it in the forest somewhere, but there's always going to be some new thing because they're going to put the kibosh on this and they're going to find something else to feed the kids, you know, and those are the ones that are most susceptible to everything. That's 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 the the real reality. That's the harsh shit of it, you know? Yeah, because I think I think my my theory is like everyone's built to do something on this earth and maybe you just don't you don't know what that is or you feel like you're you're not achieving your per- you're probably feeling like you got lost and you're like okay well i thought i was supposed to be a musician maybe right. i'm not and so then you fall into the drug like people fall into these drug things and it just like numbs it temporarily but that's good that you're able to get out and now you're get- you're back on track with the music well, i mean i've i've had people that have just turned their back on me because of it you know they didn't want to deal with me and maybe at that time you know i had someone tell me you know i remember asking for someone i think it was an old manager for like 20 bucks he looked at me and he said, I can't give you 20 bucks. You're a fucking junkie. That shit woke me up fast. When someone tells you that, and you know, it's not something you think you're ever going to be. You know what I mean? It's like, come on, do that. That's disgusting. And there you are, man. But I, you snap out of it. You, some people learn the hard way. That's me. Seven wow. weeks later, we're talking. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like you said, though. It's like, at least you made it through. Like, There's so many that, that didn't, that died at 27 or other. there's that club. It's so stupid. But it's, it's just <laughs> ugly, man. And, you know, you see a lot of people and, and like you said, fentanyl is a new thing. You know, as I play the clubs, I don't see much of it. But I, with the kids, I hear a lot about it. You know, so I, I do speak to a lot of the young folk that come to the to the gigs. And it's, it's, it's a different breed. You know? Yeah, it's interesting now because like weed is legal. So it's like that's not you're not even like really being a rebel. If you smoke weed now, it's like you could just do that legally. It's not even that big of a deal. So. Yeah, and for some people, it's it's not a gateway drug, man. It's just it's about like where you're at in life. If you're as insecure person, and and you fall on some and you and you just been so hurt by your own bullshit, it's like putting on a warm coat, a warm blanket. It just makes the world go away. That's that's what that drug does. You know, coke wakes you up and you're you're in the middle of everything. You're not you're an asshole. You know, but the other thing just makes you go to sleep and just puts you out. Turns the world off. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's at it, the beginning. It's a great push. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I can sing on this stuff. And then after a while, you can't. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like I, I like what you said about rejoining the human race. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Like even just like sometimes I'll go through these times where I'm just like, or like not as much now, but like when I was in my 20s and stuff, I'd be drinking a lot. And then it's like, then you start like as you get older. I think that's the other thing. So you get older and you start looking back. You're like, what am I doing? Like, what? Like I'm just this is my life. Like, I'm just going to get drunk every weekend. Like, this is stupid. Like, well, I want to like do something with my life. Like something I can be proud of. Yeah. Do you want to live, you know, or do you want to die? Either way, it's just the way you look at it. If you want to be a part of the life, you got to join life and you got to be, you got to man up, take your lumps and just feel the pain. You got to embrace the pain because it's part of it. People that are afraid to embrace pain. They're the ones that have a hard time with it. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah. That's, I feel like the harder you try to fight against pain or anxiety or whatever, try to like, Oh no, I'm not. I, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to talk about that. And then it just like it becomes stronger. You kind of just have to let let it come in and go. Okay, just let myself be anxious for a while, or uh, you know, pissed off, or whatever. Just let it happen, and then eventually it goes away. Yeah, and you know, I was at a point too where we were like, our our, our band was making a lot of moves when we got signed. We got signed pretty quick. We were moving fast. You know, we were moving up. It was a good live band. And when the the atmosphere of rock and roll changed and was changing of the guard, you know. 
you, you got everybody got hurt by the business, I think, and some people handle it in different ways. So mine was to just party as much as possible and be as stupid as possible. Be like, oh, that yeah. never happened to me. That never happened. I don't remember anything. <laughs> but it did. Yeah. When you guys got signed, um, it's weird. I, I interviewed uh, your bandmate, Rob, and I yeah. thought I had asked him about this, but I guess I didn't. Or maybe this just came to me. But I seem to rem- maybe I made it up. I don't know. But I feel like I read this article about you guys where I forget who signed you, but whoever it was, was they were looking for like the next Guns N' Roses or Motley Crue. And then when they signed you, they were like, yes, I got the, I got my Motley Crue or whatever. Who was that? Who was the guy that signed you guys? I forget who it was. The guy that signed us was from MCA, um, Bruce Dickinson. Now, there's two Bruce Dickinsons, right? right. Really, the singer rock star. And the, but the, the, the one that signed us was, remember the skit on SNL with um, Christopher Walken, more cowbell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our Bruce Dickinson. Okay. Kind of like a, a pretty, pretty popular AR guy. So I guess between the way our manager, our management talked us up and what he was looking for, they thought it was going to be like that, you know? But they didn't know what to do with us once they had us on the label. But that is that true that that's what he was he wanted his own kind of guns and roses is what I think he wanted a band was really going to swing for the fences and be aggressive, you know, because everything was kind of being like ABC cookie cutter rock and roll around that. And yeah. we were, you know, they wanted something musical but aggressive with the screamy kind of vocal and you know, there's something very in your face. And we were very high energy in your face. So but they, he signed you before you even played a gig, right? Yeah, we got signed out of a rehearsal. That's crazy. <laughs> They all came to see us at rehearsal. We got, we were like, I mean, there was a lot of like buzz about the band in the city, but we thought we would have to do showcases and things like that. But all, they all came to rehearsal. We never had to do a show for them or those, one of those sterile SIR, you know, like set up a cooler and just sit there, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. And that day he came in and he was like, let's do this. And we're like, okay. Well, yeah. yeah. I wonder if part of that was based on, um, that other song that you guys had before when the band, it was, well, you weren't in, it was a different band, I guess, technically bang or whatever They had the summertime. And that was like, I guess it won. Like, I just watched that video. I was like, Oh, it's kind of a catchy song, but they won like the basement tapes uh, MTV contest or whatever. So I wonder if part of that was based on that. Cause like, your guitar player wrote that song. It was pretty catchy. Well, you know, Paul, Paul was a very gifted player and that song was very Van Halen. You know, that was the air for them back then, you know, and when Paul came to the city to meet me, you know, it was it was a real change for him. You know, he had to change his style. He got more aggressive. We were all came from clean kind of, you know, we just had kind of a you know, more laid back band image. And we all kind of got into this sort of, sort of new mentality, like, let's just be aggressive. Let's get the city behind us. Let's be New York City, wherever that is, and have this great energy. So, you know, those guys had their own thing in Boston. And, you know, then they came to New York and they had to, like, take it up a notch. How did they find you again? Well, actually, it's I was in a band. I was when I moved to New York City, it was to be in a band called Fox Hunt, and okay. actually had a, a guitar player um, who was on heroin. And what he did is he stole all the band gear, and he moved to California. We needed a guitar player. Somehow, my manager and and Paul's manager got introduced to each other. So Paul okay. was actually brought to New York to join the band that I was in. Oh. So now what happened was we start to rehearse. And somehow they want to let the other guitar player back in the band. I don't know why they thought he was like, kind of like, you know, just that rock and roll Keith Richards, modern day type, you know? And Paul was like, fuck this shit. This isn't working. So he brought Tommy and Rob to New York city. They needed, they needed to make a demo. So they were doing that. They needed a singer for their demo. And I was asked to sing on their demo so that they could find another singer. And just so happens that we were doing some recording and we were like, that sounds pretty cool. So we, we decided to put the band together right then and there. And I, I joined them, you know, it all came together. Which songs were on the demo? Um, I think we had like switchblade serenade scratch was on that demo. And it was possibly a song called gunshot that never made the record. Oh. We, you know, that was kind of more like an LA gunsy sounding kind of song, but there was hmm. about three or four songs on there by the time Bruce and them got to us, but it was pretty quick, you know, get the record the demo, keep writing. We wrote half the record in the studio. Because we got signed at about five tunes. And they're like, let's just sign you guys now. The next, you know, before you know it, we're in the record plant um, in, in a real fucking studio dealing with that shit, you know? And I thought I was hot shit on the microphone until I got in the record plant. And something about it was just like, oh my God. <laughs> it was very big, you know? Yeah. So I learned a lot. And you, but you already had a manager. So did he look over the contract and stuff? Because that's kind of a big thing. I think I thought I heard you say something about that. Like, Make sure that you uh, have somebody look over the contracts when you sign these things. 
what, what, what happens is a lot of bands get the record deal dangled in front of them. And then before the record deal comes a production agreement. Right. So our manager wanted to be our producer hmm. and want, wanted to be also our production company. So you got four hungry guys. The label's right there. The night before we get told, listen, man, once you guys sign this production agreement and then we'll get you to the label. So you're telling me we can't get to the label unless we sign this thing. And it became kind of one of, you know, one of those kind of things. So we, we signed a production agreement with our lawyer looking it over, of course. And um, I think when we signed to MCA, the lawyer was hired for us by our management. Hmm. So it was pretty tricky, you know? It, it's 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 the old adage, man. Guys are really hungry. They'll do anything to get on the label, and you sign your life away. I'll tell you about the the day we signed a contract. Remember the movie Devil's Advocate? Yeah, I just rewatched that the other day. Okay, so the room's dark. It's one of those long ass rooms. We have big rooms with a long table, and we're all yeah. just around. There's a, a pile. The contract's about this fucking thick. Excuse my French. It's about this yeah, thick. Yeah. You sign page after page after page, Same. and our man, the other manager, Scott, says to us. Guys are looking all mellow, man. No one looks happy. You just signed a record contract. I'm like, yeah, but that feels weird. <laughs> it mm. just felt weird. You know, you wanted to really enjoy the moment, but there were so many strings involved. Yeah. You so did they take more of the cut than they should have? It's always like that. The, mm. Back in the record, in the music business days, you had the pie and then you had half goes to the label. Then the half the year that's yours is everybody gets a cut. By the time you're done, you got a half a slice of fucking pie. You know, it's not pretty. Um, none of us were rich. None of us had a, a, a big time lawyer to hire. You know, we 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 did the best we could, you know, and um, we made some money. But it's, you know, like anything else. Once again, I wasn't a business person. And the rule I tell everybody is like, like, like you've heard, have a lawyer, a very good lawyer. Look over contract. Learn entertainment law or business just learn it it because if you're going to go into making money in music that's what you would have to do but nowadays the business is different the business isn't the music business doesn't really exist like it used to anymore nowadays we're doing peer to we're peer-to-peer salesmen we, we we make our living by going on the road that's how we have to do it mm-hmm. so yeah so like when you sign a deal now with frontiers records i mean is it, it's totally different right Completely different. That's a different animal. You know, they give you they give you a smaller budget. You don't get the the, the quarter mil like I used to. You know, small. You're lucky if you get fifteen grand out of someone now. You have mm-hmm. to cut studio costs and things like that. A video, you know, make a decent video. So it's it's a, it's tricky that kind of business. You know, you have to. That's why you have to involve a lot of social media. Yeah, the marketing department is you, unless you unless you pay someone. Do you still have money coming in from spread from frontiers and the old stuff and then merch and like there's still money coming in at this point? From the yeah, day? I get a little a couple bucks dropped every month. I get a little ass cap, I get a direct deposit, and I'll be like, Oh, I you know what? I got the I was gonna frame the last ass cap check I got. It was two dollars and eleven cents. <laughs> I was what? gonna but but since then, you know, we've done some work and we've rearranged some things. So now we get you know a couple of bucks each month. It's nice, passive income. Yeah. But like, I mean, so like merch too and stuff. And like, isn't there money from the videos and the YouTube and, and the other stuff? Once again, you know, that's a package is the way, the way it's done. Um, merch, merch, as far as the old days, we don't get a cut of that. We make our money now on our own merch. Yeah. So it's like, um, that's the harsh reality, man. We don't make, you know, there's no, like, I think back in the day, we actually sold a song to a TV show. That was a big check. Oh, but does money come rolling in like it used to? No, it doesn't. You know, you that's why we have to get on the road. That's the harsh reality. Yeah. Well, do you, and you didn't uh, a tour back in the day with Vane, I think, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Tell me about that. I, I know there was a, you got kicked off the tour because Tommy ran on stage naked or something like that. But yeah, that and there was some, uh, I'll, I'll be real with you. I won't pull back any punches. Uh, since then, we've seen, we've met Davey and things have been really mellow and, and Rob's crossed paths with him a few times. Back then, we were young and cocky. We were feeling ourselves. We were the aggressive rock band. And I thought Vane at the time was very um, light, you know? And um, they had cool, girly, catchy songs. Now, I thought they were cool. They were great live, I thought. But uh, one day, we're in the Midwest somewhere. 
and I get a little aggressive on the mic sometimes. And I'll, I'll you know, if there's a great crowd. I, I light up and I say some things that are rowdy sometimes. I said something like, um, hey, you know, this ain't no rock and roll glam fat bullshit. This is spread fucking eagle so and so. And I guess after the show, there was some offense taken to that. You know, I'm like, I wasn't saying it at you. You know, just shout out to the crowd. That's how we were, were that, you know, but it got taken very personal and a lot of stuff elevated from there. One day we wind up at some bar. We're all heading to some gig. I think it's in Georgia. I don't know if it was masquerade or someplace like that. We weren't allowed in the building, but well, what's going on? Their bus is there. Yeah. The, they, they called the cops. They said they're in fear for their lives or something. And then you got something like that, man. Uh, I'm not exaggerating. It just didn't work out. Oh, is that bad where they had to call the cops? Wow. It was pretty bad. But we weren't. So that was how you got kicked off more so than the Tommy running naked. Yeah, they, were, they were kind of more the headliners on that tour. Yeah. Uh, a little more seasoned. So, you know, for us to pull up and, and it's like, let us in. No, you guys can't come into there. You know, they don't want you in here. Uh, That's a baller power move, though. <laughs> man. You know, so, but what we did is that that caused us to headline our go out and just do our own shows yeah so it was kind of a cool it was it was a good a good break for us you know i remember we played and we played our geographic locales with them like boston and new york city we headlined so other than that we were always first on the bill with them so and we maybe just got tired of us blowing the fuck away every night i don't know we were (laughs) we were pretty darn wild on stage back then we were like um somebody said we were like caged monkeys at feeding time Wow. Is there a video of this on YouTube or anything? You know what? Somebody sent me one of us playing at the limelight from 1993. And I never watched myself on video. I won't do it. I won't. But I'll watch that one. It's it's pretty cool. We're on fire. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. That's coming for me. I do not like watching myself or listening to myself. Yeah. Did you you do any other tours besides that one with Vane back in the day? We went out with Scatterbrain. Oh. Price and those guys. Oh, those were fun shows. Those were different. Wasn't that more kind of a punk funk kind of? They were like heavy punk funk, and he was Tommy Price was a funny entertainer. I learned a lot from him. Just like his his uh his openness and and his sense of self expression, and he didn't give it how you know damn what he said. You know, it was just he said it, and that was it. Very Henry Rollins. This is me. You gotta take gonna take what I give you. You know, but um, they were great. They they were a fun to tour with. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, do you have any other insights when you look back? Like, is there anything that you would have done differently? Like, would you have changed the name of the band, changed the style of the band? Or because it was right about that era where the music scene changed. Like, do you think you would have changed it to get ahead of the game that way? Or I think we were, I think spread music was kind of ahead of its time then. Um, I think there was good songwriting, a lot of musicality. You know, um, we were making a third record. And that record was, you know, during that change. And we were already influenced a lot by bands that we met. Like when we hung out with Alice in Chains and we met those guys, you know. I was very heavily influenced influenced by Alice in Chains at that time. So we were getting, we wrote a very heavy third record. We were starting to demo and we were going in a more heavy direction anyway. Because the the thought was on the second record, do you want to make $150,000 or do you want to make a million dollars? That's how they feed you. You know, then after that, we were like, let's make something really heavy. That's just us. And we were starting to get as heavy as possible. But then, of course, uh, egos, and attitudes and drugs got involved. And that's where the bad shit comes from. That's yeah. where the world happened, you know. But we did a lot of, you know, as far as shows, let me just go back. We did, we played a lot of uh, this thing called, Con- my favorite show was Concrete Foundations Forum. Remember those? Concrete Marketing Company out of New York City had a huge huh. thing they did in California. It was like Judas Priest, Pantera, us. It was everybody. It was like a big metal convention where to be at, you know? And wow. those gigs, you schmoozed a lot and did a lot of activity, and, and you got to watch everybody play. We played right before Pantera one night, wow. so that, that was good stuff. You know, Spread did a lot of great things in a very short amount of time. It's just that everything was left on the table. Yeah. Did you ever do shows with any of the other New York bands like Twisted Sister or Danger Danger or Trickster or trying to think of Skid Row or any of those guys? No, I remember Baz came. There was there was a time when Baz was when Baz did hear our record 
he'd heard the first album. We were in California at the Concrete Foundations, and Jerry Miller used to be the publisher for uh, Metal Edge. Says to me, Baz is on the phone. He wants to talk to you. I'm like, what? And me and Baz got kind of a, you know a rolling conversation going, but we never got to open for Skid Row. But he did come out on our on our stage once. We were playing Jersey somewhere. He was like, he's like it's almost seven feet tall or something. I'm only like five five. It looked like like a monkey hanging from a tree. It was pretty funny. Wow. Tour with them. We you know we we did our own shows, and we did not get to link up with that many other bands because it was such a short lived career. Uh, yeah, I mean, eight what eighty nine to like ninety five, like six years. Yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, we did do some gigs with other bands that I couldn't tell you their names. You know, there was a lot of things that just were in a fog for me. You know, how did you know the guys from Allison Chains then? We were playing Seattle, our first tour, uh, no, second tour. We were in Seattle, and Mike Starr comes on our bus with a very beautiful girl, and she's just like a buddy of his. So, of course, trying to, I'm enamored by her, but Mike is on our bus, and um, everyone's telling me about how great Allison Chains is. And he's, yeah, and then we, we next thing you know, this guy's on our bus. We hit it up, we're having a conversation, and he's telling me about where he's playing, and, and the buzz on him is ridiculous. So it's got gotten to be about two, two thirty in the morning. And I'm still trying to hit on the screen. He goes, Come to back, come back to the house. You know, the band has bands at the house and whatever, we'll hang out and have beers. You check out the side, check out some tracks. He played me We Die Young with vocals and without. I heard man in the box, rough mix, and I fucking shit my pants. <laughs> I was wow. like, what is this man this is serious i think lane was passed out in another room to sleep and they were all crashed out we were just having a little party in the room went back to the bus i told the guys this band also changes like i can't explain it it's amazing and everybody's all into themselves oh whatever right? fuck you shut up man you know, <laughs> so this is before they broke this is before they, they were broke. and and they're they're i'm like i and i get it right away i got it like you know it went through my through my dna i just got it few months later, we're in LA and we're talking to one of our A&R people, Jennifer J. back in the day. We're all crammed to her little car. She says, I want to play you guys my new favorite band. These guys are amazing. She puts in the tape. It's fucking Alice in Chains. And all the guys are leaning up. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I'm like, I told you. That's what we're talking about. I fuck. I hate that. That shit always happens to me. I'm always like, I tell somebody about a movie or something, and nobody listens. And then later they discover it, and then they tell tell people how great it is. Yeah, it's like Dahmer was really great. What? Yeah. I'm telling you, it's really great. You got to watch it. That's a good but show. From then, from then they actually came to the city, and when they played the Cat Club, Mike asked me to, and Lane asked me to introduce them, and there was the, the place was about half full, and when they came back again the following. You couldn't get in the place. They just blew up and I couldn't even get to yeah. them. And then Mike went through whatever he went through. And but you know, they were cool. Yeah. Wow. That's a cool story though. Yeah. The other one was, I'll give you one more. My friend Phil was in a band called Law and Order. They were our label mates back then. They were opening for Pearl Jam before they before they blew up. So I'm at this again, another year of concrete. I'm in LA, uh, the foundations form. And we go to the Chocadero. My friend Phil says, Let's go see the band I've been open up for. They're really incredible. The singer's a really cool, nice guy. I'm like, okay, whatever. The Trocadero is packed as the Troubadour. Whatever, it's packed. And it looks like the most rabid fans. But it's their label. The label is like just into these guys. I was like, man, who are they? These, these people are really into it. And I'd never seen that happen before. i never seen it. So they came up and when I, I didn't know the lyrics to Jeremy, but it blew my fucking mind, you know? And to witness that was another cool thing. I, I got to meet Eddie then for like a quick minute handshake and just, you just felt it. You knew that was going to be huge, you know? So that's about, that's my big run-ins with like celebrity or me being the A&R thing where I'm like, that's going to be big one day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, well, I mean, because if you listen, if you're a music fan and you like listening to music and you listen to a lot of it, it's the same with movies. I mean, you can usually tell like what's good and what's not. Although sometimes like, what you think is good, the general public doesn't always agree with it. But yeah, I mean, that that makes sense that you had knew that this stuff was special because you'd listened to a lot of music your whole life. Yeah, you hear something and you just know this, this there's never been nobody like this guy. And he was and Lane was cool, man, from what I from what I gathered, you know. I don't I'm not a, a name dropper person, but as far as who I met that I really thought was awesome, what's a cool, nice, laid back guy who sung really well. And he didn't have to do anything on stage, but just stand there. And just emote and this thing, you know, that that was really impressive. I thought. 
Yeah. I was just saying, it's sad. That's another one that talk about the drug thing. Like that just got the best of them. Cause I, I'd be always curious, like, what if those, what if they beat it, you know, and they came back and then he sobered up like him and Kurt and all these other Seattle people and all these other rock stars, like, yeah. and they, if they, you know, maybe they would have made the best music of their careers, like sober. And they, they can really have a control on those emotions. I don't know. It would have been cool to to see for sure. Well, you lose a lot of people, you know, all the, all that the, losing the, the singer from Lincoln Park and then Chris Cole. Yeah. It goes on and on, but you know, to lose, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I saw Mother Love Bone when they were just coming up, and I saw Andrew Wood sing live at the Cat Club. That was cool too. Amazing, yeah. That's another one you definitely wonder what would have happened with that band because he was. So, I liked him better than Eddie Vedder. Yeah, I and mean, he was a great. That's what the Pearl Jam. You know, they started with those guys, but I loved Andrew Wood. Yeah, he was great. And from what I've heard, like he was the catalyst for a lot of the, you know, Seattle bands to sort of get their groove on. Like he was like the, yeah. the muse for a lot of that. So yeah, he kind of bridged the gap because he he kind of had that kind of '80s glam kind of look and a little bit of a sound, but then also it was new, it was a little fresher, and it was more alternative. And so it would have been interesting to see if they had just stayed Mother Love Bone and they made another out. If they, would they have made ten with Andrew Wood singing and maybe his spin on some of those songs, like? That would have been cool. That would have been interesting to hear. Yeah, and then there's a whole changing of the guard vocally into a lower register because you had the guys in the 80s and early 90s screaming at the top of their brains. And then this cool way of more chest, natural singing was like, you know, and, and honest lyrics. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, you know, it, let's face it, it got silly. It got silly with spandex and, and hairspray and, and the videos were just like, what the hell are we doing? And then this this thing comes along and just wipes everybody off, off the map because this is real. Yeah, I I liked it. Like when I was a kid, when I first got into rock, it was like 92 and I was in Seattle. I was living in Seattle and like, but I was getting into more of the hair metal, but I liked the grunge stuff too. And I I love that era where there was a short period where it was kind of both together. Like in 91, all those rock records, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, they all had huge records come out and it was like amazing. And then, and then it kind of shifted into full grunge and then, yeah. Yeah, and then you know, and then something is really original and cool, and then you have everything that tries to copy it, and then it gets all vanilla and homogenized again. Right. Look for the new, the new thing. What's the new thing? So now right. the new thing is to be retro and to be cool, you know. And if you if you're a band like ours, that um is you know a lot of my influence is stuff like Tina Turner and funk. I love I like that, you know, and that should be back on the market, you know, just grooving. Music just makes you feel good, and makes you groove. You know, not just cookie cutter ABC. Yeah. Did did you make some uh some music that was just that was totally different genre, like more soul and funk? Uh not I wish I did. I wish I had that cool soul funk record. Um it's gonna happen to me. But I I did make uh uh a 10, 10 songs that I was calling APW back in the day. Change it. It's been rebranded and I got a whole batch of new All songs. Point West or whatever. Yeah, all points west, yeah. right. That was it was like um it's very honest, heavier. It's heavier. It's a little darker, uh, super melodic and, and heavy on the, what I call urban groove. Okay. Now I've rebranded the whole thing because I always hated the name APW and that's bands called Superfly. Oh, okay. And then what happened to Magnificent Beast? Is that still around? Yeah, that's so that's out of Miami. So we got about five songs in the can with that. Um, great producer, Steve Gordon on that. So that's still waiting to happen. Um, if you're doing some research, you're good, man. So. Uh, <laughs> That's good, but uh, that'll be. Yeah, what, I don't know. I've just heard you mention it. I don't know what what, what kind of style of music is that. It's. I'm going to say it's in that kind of Alice in Chains kind of vein. It's got that oh, okay. dark groove. Um, it, it's a little heavier than than most of the stuff I do. We've got about five songs to prep. We're going to actually record them this month because they've been they've recorded everything else. They've been like, wait, when are you going to sing it? When are you going to sing it? I've been very busy. So um, that's something I'm looking forward to. But the the Superfly stuff is done. That's in the can. We're just putting the okay. together, and that's going to be through Deco and those guys. Um, gotcha. Very nice people. And um, so, is music your full time? You say you're really busy. I know you have a son, but is music your full time career right now? Are you doing other things to make ends meet? And music is more of a hobby. No, this music is music is the thing that's always that's that's been a, a problem with me. I sacrificed everything for music, and because of that. I live pretty close to the vest, you know, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm very frugal person, you know, but I'm, 
I've always said I've lived out of my suitcase for years. And once, once, when I got my shit together, I, I swore to myself, my life's going to be about music and performing. I went through a crisis of confidence last year, got my act together. I am full on fierce as fuck. I'm fearless. I feel great. So I do uh, a COVID emergency management gig for a couple hours a day. Because uh, I, I really feel like I, it makes me, I feel like I'm helping people. You know, people dealing with vaccinations or that are having oh. to look at treatments and things like that. But my full spread eagle is a full time job because now it's taken over my life. You know, so um, am I a nine to five person? No, I'm not a nine to five person. But I do what I have to do to survive. I'm not ashamed of it. No, but spread is back and 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 doing more. I did have to make a choice, and I it, I had to make a hard choice because it's like, oh, do I stay safe and just do this little gig? Or do I travel and sing rock and roll for my supper and live with that? You know, the consequences of that. And that's where I've always leaned towards. So it's going to say my tombstone, you know, you know, Ray, he, he went for it again. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no, that's really cool. I, I just heard you talking about some of the other stuff. Like you were doing uh, at one point, you're doing cooking school. Are you, are you still you're not doing that anymore? You're not trying to do like a, a uh, restaurant or something or so late 90s. You know, the Food Network started its thing, and I, I I wanted to be a rock and roll chef. I thought that was just the coolest thing. So, um, but I learned the hard way. If you want to be a chef or a cook, you need to start that when you're young. You know, you really do because it's a hard environment. It's hot. Everybody's fucking. It, it's aggressive. It's hot. But I love cooking. I love the creativity of cooking. And uh, it's just like writing a tune. You put things together to make things work. I'm a foodie. I like to when I have good money to spend on a great meal, I'll do it. But I'm also, you know, I, I cook very well. So uh, Rick, our drummer, he's another badass cook. I think Rick chef for a while. But yeah, man, I, I I, I had that sort of other dream. I also wanted to be an actor at some point. I did some off-Broadway theater. Um, but, did you do comedy too? The stand-up or something? Yeah. Tell um, me about that. Who did you work with? Because I've interviewed some of those New York comedians. Uh, let me see. John, my friend John Corbett. We worked out of a place called the Boston Comedy Club. Oh, okay. I've heard of that. A lot of people like, you know, I saw everybody go through there. Yeah. But I did more like um, the, the New York circuit, whether it's the, the comedy club, uh, you know, Caroline's, we would do a lot of open mic stuff, collective unconscious, surf reality in the city, you know, I, and do some, um, just five minute, you know, five minutes of work. But I started the, the open mics like surf reality give you uh, a really good platform to try material. And I found that I was, I was pretty good at it, but the music thing took over again. You know, every time I, I want to do something on that's different, something comes around to do musically. So it, it's been like, um, it's difficult. I'm very ADD, you know. <laughs> I've tried, yeah. tried stand-up comedy. I've tried uh, off-Broadway acting. And just music seems to be my comfort, you know. But it's also, uh, it's my comfort zone. And it's not. Because every time you go on stage, you're outside of your comfort zone and in it at the same time. Because you never know what's going to happen. You know, we don't do tracks, nothing scripted. So anything can go wrong. I love the, I love that environment. I love that. I'm addicted to that environment. Yeah. Well, you mentioned that you said like you had, you lost your confidence or whatever. Is that where you're talking about the George Lynch thing or whatever? Cause. Yeah, because I had not, I hadn't been singing that much. And what happened was I was put in a position where it's like, go for the money now, you know, or wait and do it proper. So I was like, oh, I'll just do it now, you know? And I just wasn't ready, man. And I don't, I don't think he researched me well because you know he would have known i wasn't singing things like that but the point is i went to do something i was not ready for you know and i learned the hard way like I'm, I'm a person i need to like like you and me we were to work on something um i would need to just be in the room with you and get to know you to feel out to feel you out I, i'm just that's how i work you know and sure. I just just jam rehearse one or two times and i wasn't given that opportunity and um that's the way they, that's the way he operated but so you know it's not his fault he does what he does you know what i mean he's a great player and he's he's just going to do his thing he's not going to make a room you know i'm not going to stop this because you need that so i went i attempted something did not work out the way i wanted because i didn't have the vocal switch that i should have had my technique i've been singing for a few years i've been doing uh, bands with you know lower tuning i didn't really work my high register i got laid and spread eagle music makes me work now so, so you need time to like prepare for a gig like that to get your vo voice voice yeah, in shape. You know, just 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 to get the songs in my DNA it takes a little while. You know, I'm not I'm not a cover singer guy. Well, I just come in and I bang it out and we're good to go. You know, um, 
Yeah, because I only, I only saw a clip, but I because I heard you talking about it, then I was like, oh, I gotta see this. So I tried to Google it. I found like a I don't know one or two songs. I thought they sounded fine, so I, I didn't know. But but, I, you, I but, you're, but if 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 you're making a certain if you're making a certain kind of money, and a guy comes into your gig, and you feel he might fuck up your money, just just get rid of it. Yeah, it's a mentality. So it's like I wasn't given an opportunity to um, redeem myself, and that's 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 the way that goes, man. You know, uh, that just means I was meant to do spread the music and make it happen. You know. Spread Eagle is is a really good live band, and that's part of my identity, and, I, and I've accepted that. So I'm going to bust my ass to make that happen, just like Rob DeLuca is going to bust his ass to make this happen, because everybody's gotten their shot. We're coming back 100 years later, but I feel like we're still good at it. So it's yeah. worth to see the band. And I, think, and, and, and I think I bring something original to the table, so I know that, you know, he... The, that gentleman mentioned making an album and I think we could have made a really cool album together, you know, but that wasn't, I wasn't given the opportunity. So that, that you know, it's his loss, man. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, if that's, sounds like your spread Eagle is going to be a better fit for what because, you want to do. Uh, yeah. As my kid says, I rock. Yeah. Well, cause you guys can do also like the, the monsters of rock cruise and like all these festivals, like that seems to be like a, a really high paying gig to get and a lot of bands of that era are on those things. Have you tried to re do that? Is that your next step? Well, we're talking about that because we, for years, you know, because when you're off the circuit, it's, it's a very small circle of bands that seem to just do those festivals and cruises, you know? So they finally let spread Eagle on the boat next year. So we got the monsters of rock cruise 2024. Yeah. Oh, that, okay. You are on that. Okay. Awesome. Sweet. Be on it, yeah, and I know I noticed that the lineup is a little heavier than what they usually have. They're going to have except on there. Um, I saw April Wine on there. I was like, "Whoa, that's cool." Uh, I want to see Glenn Hughes. That's why I'm going. I'm a huge Glenn Hughes fan. You know, I'm like Glenn Hughes. Oh yeah, so, I had him on my podcast. He he was in uh, Dead Daisies for a little. Now he's I think he's back to solo. But I'm yeah. going to fanboy him to death, man. But um, yeah, that's cool. So I think we put in a lot of work this year to be involved in the conversation. I, I, as far as I know, we're the only bands in the ever play M3. So I want to do that too. All, you know, anything that takes us up to the next level of doing this is what we want to do. So that's how we're busting our asses. You know, we, we tour when most bands aren't even touring, you know, we'll play the rooms. Nobody wants to play because yeah, I saw you're coming here, but I, I think it's funny because I'm actually going to Colorado and then I think you're playing Colorado the next night. So I might be able to hit the, the Denver gig that you guys have, you're doing a few like kind of West coast shows, yeah. which is kind of exciting. Cause usually, you know, like East coast bands, like they don't come out this way very often. So yeah, we, we, we've noticed that. So we are trying to, you know, we just did the little, the little whiskey run. We did, we played Vegas. Vegas was great. Oh that, yeah. Did you play uh, what's that room called? I forget. Vamped. But, yeah. Vamp. Yeah. Isn't that oh, that's cool. Uh, uh, I got a friend, Andrew Freeman. He sings for a band called yeah. Last Line and, 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 uh, I've known Andy for a long time and uh, we brought him up on stage with us, but we hadn't seen, I hadn't seen him in years. So it was like a, it was like a real cool reunion, you know? So I'm reconnected with the West coast of my friends out there and, and I want to do some shows with them too. So hopefully we'll make it all happen, you know, but uh, Andrew Freeman, wasn't he in the George Lynch thing? Andy was an offspring and great white. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's a workhorse, man. He can sing anything, you know, some guys just have a great, huge massive voice and he can and he's doing a lot of dio so and he's doing dio in dio's band so he's got a set of balls number one to be doing that and he's my friend and i'm proud of him man and the fact we re uh, reconnected means the world to me so we're, we're trying to play everywhere bro whether it's your backyard or vamped <laughs> or whiskey you know what i mean we're trying yeah. to does it help if you can, if you could tour with a last in line or, or some of these other, cause I feel like that's like always good. If you guys could stick together, do like a package three, yeah. four, five, even maybe six, seven bands or whatever, like the bigger, the package, the bigger, the venue, right? Right. Like, like the younger bands work together quite a bit. So the rest of the band just got to find a way to get together besides, you know, M3 or the cruise, you know, put little packages together. That would be cool. You know? So anything that elevates, that gets you, you know, a little more optics on you, you know, is, uh, is is what you want so that's why the, that's why the cruise is a big deal for us you know because now we're involved in a different conversation we're not just playing the club on the corner you know now we're playing with other bands that like, like get a lot of visibility so hopefully that will, each 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 step will 
get us a little higher place, get us paid a little more. And uh, so we can survive this thing. You know, we, we, we love doing it. I mean, uh, man, if you had told me I would still be doing this, I would have laughed you out of the room, man. Because when I was a kid, I was like, "Those you don't do that shit when you're old. You don't do that. Then all of a sudden, things change. Rolling Stones are like, you know, out there. And you're like, wait a minute. I was, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I, I'm glad I stopped doing drugs so I could do this again. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if you have that thing in your system where you want to sing and that's, it's in your bones, like you can't really just get rid of it. Right. Well, that's what got me about the whole, like the thing, the issue of last summer with Lynch, because like, you know, you're good. You know, you're good. If you just work hard and really put in the effort. And I was like, you know, he, he said, uh, I don't want you to hate me. I said, I don't hate you, man. You're fucking being honest. You know, I, I didn't do what you needed. So I kicked, I've been, I kicked my own ass for about a good solid month. And then I said, you know what? I, this, this is a fire that I needed. This is the fire. So now I'm going to be a better singer. I'm going to be a better performer. I'm going to be a better friend. I'm going to be better at all. I'm going to give myself the kick in the ass that I needed. And now we're, now we're working hard. You know, now I'm doing spread Eagle and I'm, I'm able to do, my superfly stuff and able to do magnificent beasts and you know things like that yeah no i'm curious i think with the lynch it sounds like it just wasn't a good fit i feel like that's and it, he's it wasn't yeah that's that's more of a thing yeah there with i just feel like he was probably looking for particular he should just get why can't he get oni logan back is it what happened to that guy i don't know man you know and, and oni's got a really oni and i came up kind of together in south florida so we were we were somewhat besties as, as young men. And I remember when he got that gig, um, actually <laughs> I was in this band and we had a, a song that was a demo. It was called wicked sensation. So I was surprised when Oni went to LA and, Oh, they have a song called wicked sensation too. Um, so was I don't the same song or just t- same title same title. I don't think it was hack, but I'm like, wait a minute. And actually the wicked sensation song that we have, that we had was, I had the demo. I'll send you the demo. And you tell me what you think, but okay. I was like, I'm like, look at that, man. So that's what I'm like. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm on, a, on the right, you know, I'm on the track. I'm writing cool lyrics and cool titles, you know, that someone can, can take it. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like, uh, I feel like that was a big thing in the eighties and nineties, uh, early nineties was like the, a lot of bands had the same, like monkey business, Skid Row had one and danger, danger had one. And they came out at like the same time. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, okay. Like that's what maybe part, partly too, why the grunge thing had to come along. Cause like there wasn't a, you know, the grunge songs, they had some, weird titles and things that were very unique that people were very yeah it was very honest man it was yeah there wasn't a lot of spoon mans i think there was only one of those and (laughs) so it's funny but it was that that kicked the business's ass you have to people always want something new something fresh right when there's when you when every riff's been played every lyric's been written what do you do you know that's what i'm thinking now like i feel like we need a new the next thing i don't know what it is but i know we need something like because you have the greta van fleets and all those kinds of bands that are kind of like i don't know what you call that like retro i love it it's good but it's like but what's the next sound like what's the you know and the motley crew and kiss and these bands came along they blew everybody away because it was like this new look this new sound and like there hasn't it feels like there hasn't been something like that in a long time it's going to be some some young guys somewhere in a garage doing something with with electronics it's you know Every riff's been played. You know, there was that's a- what I thought electronics. I, I, when, I remember when Nine Inch Nails came out, I was like, oh, this is going to be it. This is the future of like music. This is going to sound like they're going to do the keyboards and stuff. And then the, that Nine Inch Nails was kind of the only one like that. Yeah. Then, you know, then Dead Mouse was the new punk. You know, it's like that's that's there's a new, I just, it'll come out of nowhere. I don't know what it's going to be. It might just be a pill someone takes and wow, that's amazing. Sounds great. <laughs> you know, yeah. Here's Mouse and Chains take. Um, yeah. Did you ever, uh, have you ever heard the band Muse? I really like them. That, that's a, that's like a kind of a different sound too. Now that guy sounds just like the guy from Radiohead. You know what I'm saying? I'd have, to, I'd have to think about that. Compare that. All right, maybe so play, maybe hey, the hey, voice, but not the, the songs. No, Muse the is heavier. Yeah. But the singer sounds like just, just like to me, like when I heard, um, Dennis, the young from sticks and somebody played me a striper song. I'm like, Michael sweet. It sounds like Dennis D. Young. It blew my mind. That was, I'm sure you, you never thought of that before. No, I hadn't. But th- now that yeah. I think about it, yeah, I could I could hear that. Yeah, man. I'm like, I always I, wonder when bands like that, like with a Greta Van Fleet, I'm like, 
why don't you guys just lean into it and do a couple Zeppelin tunes? The crowd would go nuts if they, they, they try to per se like, Oh, we don't really like Led Zeppelin. It was like, uh, what was that band in the eighties that, um, that sounded like Zeppelin and they would try to kingdom come kingdom come. Yeah. Why didn't they ever just lean into it? Do a couple Zeppelin tunes. I mean, that'd be amazing. Because we brought that up and I'm like, wow, you know, but there's always going to, I love Greta Van Fleet. I get it, man. I get, I've seen them live twice. And the second time I saw them, they even were better than the, than the first time. Those, those dudes got it going on. The stage show is rocking now, but I, to me, they're like Zeppelin meets triumph. Cause he sounded yeah. When I saw, I saw, I did see Greta Van Fleet once. And uh, I felt like it was interesting because it was more hippie stuff. There was a lot of slow, like hippie kind of jam. And I was like, well, this isn't very Zeppelin. This is more just like sixties jam music. It was yeah. interesting. And they'll be able to do whatever they want because they're at a certain level of success where I don't think they can really do any wrong because they have their crowd. It's like, it's not like they can do any wrong. It's like, well, they have their people. They know who their audience is. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not like to that level of the stadiums and stuff. Like they have a good crowd, but I wonder, I feel like a band needs to come out. That's going to be like the next stadium band. Cause like these Motley Crue's and stuff. I mean, these bands are, they're getting up there. They're not going to be around forever. So I'm going to find, I'm going to manage them. Right. That's what I want to do. Why not? Yeah. We'll co-manage them together and we'll make yeah, them we'll think stack of fucking production. <laughs> yeah. Just in the middle, it'll be like, you will give 80% of the profits to me. Like, <laughs> Enjoy your water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like you don't even need a lot of these bands. Don't even need record labels though. You could just upload the music to Spotify and YouTube and like, and you're off and then go tour on your own. Look, if you can make a great sounding song, whether it's on your laptop, in your home studio, whatever, you don't need a big studio anymore. You don't need it unless mm-hmm. you have money for it, unless you're the Foo Fighters or whatever, you know. But anybody with a with access to great recording gear, great software, that's that's the record company. The rest is all marketing, isn't it? You know, yeah, no, that's true. Like there's so even your guys' latest uh Subway to the Stars. I mean, and then there's so many albums that I listen to and I go, this sounds as good, if not better than anything that was like, you know, cost millions of dollars to make in the eighties and nineties. I mean, cause the technology's changed. It's like, I don't know how you guys recorded that, but it do- it's not like back in the day, if somebody recorded something like on their own, it was like very noticeable. Like even some of the bigger bands, I won't mention, like they self-produced like their own albums in the nineties or whatever, early two thousands. And I was like, oh, this doesn't sound good, but now it sounds amazing. Yeah, but you know what? You still got to go through the Neve console. You know, we got to find a nice warm board because we we had that for Subway. That that does matter. I think the old school production still holds. You know, the Foo Fighters have proven that. You know, it's like it still holds, man. But yeah, and, that Sound City. Did you watch that? Oh yeah, I love that. That was good. That yeah. was good. But any kid with a laptop, I, I've said this before. Anybody with a laptop and software can tell their friends at high school. Yeah, man, I just finished my album. It drops tomorrow. You know, in SoundCloud. You know, and and everybody's a rock star everybody has access to recording you know what 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 comes out of it i don't know uh, my guess is as good as yours so i'm waiting so i'm just doing what i can and doing my thing until that next thing comes out you know yeah but, it's kind of a flooded market but i also think there's a because people say like oh there's no good bands anymore there, there, i think there's tons you just got to find them it's just there's a lot of stuff out there but you got to look for what you want. And uh, there's so many bands. Everybody's vying for your attention. Everybody has a Facebook page, Instagram page. Everybody is a rock star. Every, every picture is somebody in their garage holding a guitar dressed in leather pants or it's an old, you know I mean? Everybody has this mentality. Everybody wants to be famous. Yeah. Or yeah, just be significant or have a podcast or be a model. Like on how many TikTok or Instagram models are there now? Like it's insane. Yeah. But you, 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 you know, and, and you're really like, like I said, to, to your, your bros, you're very easy to talk to, man. I feel like we could do this for hours, you know, because I feel like <laughs> Thanks. man, you made me feel really comfortable, you know, just so you know that. But there's Thanks. so much music in the world. How do you get people to pay attention to you? You know, so right. the only way to do it, as far as I know, is you have to get up, leave the house and go to the fucking people. That's the way that's what I think. I agree. I think that's a huge piece of it. I, I think you got to do it all. I think you can't just play live. You, you got to, if you don't have a Facebook or all that stuff, I think that you're missing a big piece, but you definitely, that is a huge piece. Cause there's some people that I talk to that 
they put out an album and I'm like, so when are you going to tour? Oh, I don't know if I'm going to, I'm like, you have to tour. Like that's the only way you're going to get fans is like face to face getting out there and playing the songs and making fans in every city. And uh, yeah. Because what I won't do though, what I I refuse to do is those silly virtual concerts. Oh yeah. Stupid man. I don't think that, is that even still a thing? I think that was only the. I I just the people try. I remember I was watching. I tried to watch the I Love Heart Radio one. Hilarious! Oh. You got a band in a room, and there's, you know, the little faces like the Zoom thing. It's got like yeah. like twenty faces, and people like that was silly. That was yeah. Silly. No, You'd be like, come on, but there's no one there. You can't do that. I think it. It. it I guess maybe it kind of makes sense if you're if you're just doing like a solo acoustic. And you're that's, just, you know, the acoustic guitar, I guess that's kind of cool. But yeah, you try to do a concert that way. I just, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't work. I did see one that was like, it was during the pandemic. And so they couldn't have a crowd and they, but they played like a real venue and they played a stage and they had the real sound system. It was kind of cool, but yeah, it's not, it's not to say it doesn't uh, take the place of a live show. There's nothing like, you know, the gathering and every, every musician is going to tell you that there's nothing like the gathering, having people in the room, just that energy, that sort of communal thing that happens, that safe space. And you just kind of like having this conversation, you know, it's, you just, you're, you, you, you write music, people take it in, they learn this language that you created and you just have, it's a conversation back and forth, isn't it? That's what a live show is. You know, you learn, you learn this language that we wrote, we're all speaking it together and we're having a good time with it. You know, the, the communal thing is where it's, I still love going to a live show and seeing a great live. And I love that feeling and being part of that. And I never want to lose that. And I don't think I don't think we will, as long as there are good bands out there. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I and it, there's always going to be fans. I think there's going to be uh, people that want to hear it. Yeah, and everybody that was huge in the '80s and '90s is still touring. You've got bands like uh, White Snake out there. You know, you got everybody is out there. Anybody who had a record deal in the '80s or had you know, a friend who had one is out there touring. You know, uh, uh, Joey's cousin who used to be the bass player, the tech and in, in tesla has a band you know what i mean it's like everybody's touring so yeah it's kind of cool because like yeah, there's a lot of those bands that i didn't get to see especially living in seattle and uh not being over 20 a lot of the bands would come to seattle and they'd play these shows that were 21 and over so now i'm able to go see these like i just saw ugly kid joe like for the first time i was a huge fan of them and i got to see them finally like whatever is a 30 or 40 years later and yeah. they sounded amazing that's cool that's the other thing is like a lot of these bands like they're still they still got it which is great. That's the other thing. You got some some people that are just phoning it in. You know, um, I've had uh, it, it's it's a drag to go see a band, and they kind of like they're they're looking like they're swinging for the fences, but they're not hitting the fence. <laughs> like some guys yeah. are out there singing, and they're just sort of like, "All right, so if you can't do the notes you used to do, find some other cool way to sing your song." You know, don't don't sit there and look like an idiot struggling. You know what I mean? It's 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 not a good look, man. But everybody, yeah. if you can get out there and do it well, do it. That's why that's why we're that's why we're trying to do. You know, we're we're doing it to the best of our ability. We really believe we can be good at this. Yeah. So what? Do you, so if you can't do, can you change the uh, notes or whatever the the key that the song is in to it's sing it if it's harder to sing the higher notes? Always. Everybody tunes down somewhat live no one's got maybe Greta Van Fleet can go on regular tuning I don't know because that kid's ridiculous Josh yeah. but um I think we, we go down about a step a half, half step you know it just it saves your voice uh, I, I just saw the tour schedule that that Rob sent me from we're going to Europe in September it's every day there's no days off I've never oh, done wow. in my life I don't know if you can pull it up it, yeah it, no I I did see because there's a few U.S. shows and then um yeah, yeah. I, did, I didn't. How many days is that? It did look like it was about two weeks or something, right? It's turned into like yeah, two and a half weeks or three weeks, but it's like there's no days off. I was just talking with Rob about it today. I'm like, dude, I don't know, man. He goes, oh, you know, you just have to be quiet all day. I'm like, I'm a chatty, I'm a chatty person, bro. You're looking at it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, so, well, there's a, you're playing the ninth and then, oh, no, it looks like there's some days off, 13th, 15th, and then, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Okay, yeah, there is like a big stretch in there where it's like in my life. there's a day off on the 25th. You got yeah, so. dude, hey, I'll call you then if I can. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> How many days do you typically can you do without taking a day off in a row? 
I've done four. Oh, okay. But you know, my, my style of singing, uh, <clears throat> used to be a lot different. It was like a very banshee, screamy kind of thing. And now I've learned that I can do it. I can get away with doing something that's very clean, you know? So it's about the intensity and the intent. I have great intention when I sing. So I feel like I'm going to give the people what they need. You know? Yeah. So that's eight good. shows in a row. Yeah. Although the there one on the go. 21st is a free show. So you, you don't have to try as hard for that one. I don't think. There you go. So <laughs> that's going to hurt. That's going to leave a mark, man. So yeah. um, I'm on an adventure. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm at this point in my life. No, we're not a band that's been around for years and it has, you know, uh, it get, you know, uh, gets all the, the, tri- the, 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 a plus venues. So we do what we can. We're working our, we're busting our asses, but, um, I'm at a point now where I can sing so many nights in a row and I feel, and I'll feel confident about it because people are always like, is Ray going to hit the note? Is he going to do that thing? And if you, if you just, that's, that's what the thing last year got me because I knew that I had it in me. And so I've worked, I've worked, ba- I've worked my way back, you know, and, so how does that work with Rob? Because he's is he he's still in UFO and Sebastian Bach? Oh yeah, he does those gigs. Uh, he, the way he scheduled himself was uh, one that when he does have a UFO gig, I'm like, go do that. You know that that's 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 a big show. So we're very careful about scheduling. So 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 far it's been cool this year. So there hasn't been anything to be like, oh fuck, you know. But um, he's what I what I dig about Rob where his head's at. He's doing this 100%, 110%. You know, I, and I trust that he's doing that. And he can trust that I'm doing that. You know what I mean? That, that's a big deal because some people are in it halfway because they have other things to do. Sure. He's putting this first. And that's, we believe in this. You know, we're the, we're the little engine that could, that never got the chance. You know? That's cool, yeah. I mean, Lots of creature named Spread Eagle. <laughs> Yeah, what? It, yeah, he should uh, get you guys like that. Would be awesome if he get you on the uh, Sebastian Bach tour or something. Then that way he doesn't. It's like a two for one for him. He, you know, I, I bet that they probably talked about it. I've never gotten any kind of answer about it. Um, probably a little weird for them to even ask Baz for that, which is strange because I used to know Baz back in the day, and when we did play LA uh, that last month or whatever it was, you know, Baz was there and Andrew was there. It was cool, but uh, whatever whatever strings and connections we can pull we're going to make happen. So I trust that he's doing that and I'll do what I can with my end, you know? Yeah. Well, you're just building the, the, the name back up there and doing the shows and making more, no more new fans. And, you know, people bring their kids now and stuff. Now you make a fan of their kid. And It's mind blowing. You know, I uh, guys, we were somebody's high school band, you know, and that, that, that guy's passing down to his son or his daughter. And that happens. You see that the shows I like when we see somebody, some, there were some kids, they were, they were dressed like dressed like kind of gothy. But they were like, they were front and center the whole time. Like, man, you guys are great. You know, where have you guys been? I'm like, oh, it's a long story, man. Because <laughs> we have this history, but it's just, it's underground. Rock and roll itself is underground. You know, we're not part of the, the pop market. You know, so a band like us that had some success in the early day, how do you make it happen again? Like, what do you do? You know, you just, you got to deliver the goods. You got to be a great live band to see. That's all that matters. If you don't have huge hits. You know, so I think we're, I think we're a good show. We're getting better, man. Yeah. And then is there a new uh, fourth record on the way? I thought I heard you guys say that you already recorded some songs or wrote some. Or... We were writing and recording and all those shows came along. So we had to take a little break from that. And now that we have most of August off, we'll probably get back to getting something in the can. And then after September, we'll, we'll, go, we'll work a lot after September in the studio. But, you know, it, it's changed because we don't have we, use, we don't have the buses anymore. You know, we do a lot of fly-ins and a lot of SUVs and vans. So we don't have the, the studio in the back of the bus to, to write while we're away. Right. But Rob's a rabid writer. So is Ricky. Ricky lives in the studio and writes as well. And and I have my little home unit. So we're, we're, we're pinning away, man. We're, we're, we're making some good tunes. So what do you think uh, that record would, would it be before the end of the year or are you looking more 2024? The first quarter of next year is when I'd like to have it done. We're already like, what, we're going to be ending summer sooner than we, sooner than later. It's yeah. Quarter, so I don't see it being out this year. I, w- I would imagine the first quarter of next year, if we're lucky. Okay, and that would still be on Frontiers. Um, I'm not sure because there's a few things on the table right now. Oh, we're, we're we have a few eyes on, on us, so we'll see what happens. 
cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, people can look for that. And then the other, you said the Magnificent Beasts and uh, and your yeah. solo band, those ones will come out too? Yeah, Superfly is going to come out. I think that's going to be out in September while I'm okay. out. So uh, as soon as I get anything that's free, that you can have in your hand, I'll send it to you. Okay. I think they're great. They've got a great marketing team. I'm really excited about it because, you know, when you, when you write something and um, what if you, what if you know, what if you build it? Nobody came, but we, um, we wrote these great batch of tunes and I've been sitting on these songs for like 10 years and I'm like, let's let this has to go out. Or I'm not going to be happy. I will yeah. not unless I put this out. So that's where I'm at with this. So it has to get out. It's different. It's kind of like my, my calling card. It's my bio, you know, so I'm, I want people to hear it. Cool. I look forward to that. Um, then I always end promoting a charity. Is there a charity that you've worked with before or you want to promote? Uh, cancer. You know, I, I work with the breast cancer foundation down here, which is, uh, Joe DiMaggio Hospital because oh. my mother died of cancer um, in 2014. It was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen because oh. I, I witnessed I witnessed what it did to her. So that is something that really affects me. So if there's any charity that I I care about, it's, you know, the breast cancer. Okay, so the, which the, you said the hospital Joe DiMaggio Hospital they have like a they have a children's they... hospital. I did a few things for the children's hospital, and you 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 haven't. Eat humble pie until you've walked through a hospital like that where young people have cancer. It'll, yeah, it'll change. You. Ugly. It'll change. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'll put that in the show notes. If people want to donate, and then um, I'll put the website. They can uh, check out these tour dates here. The the European ones are. It's going to be a tough stretch. But yeah, there's a couple American dates too, and probably maybe more. Would you add more dates possibly? Yeah. I mean, we just had to get this batch on paper and make them all legit and make them all secure and now we're starting to add the next year because like i said man this isn't a nine to five job this is a crazy schedule job you know it's life yeah gotcha well thanks so much ray this was fun i'll chat with you later i'm glad i got to go you know you're fucking awesome dude thanks for having me thanks for being on i'll talk to you later my thanks again to ray west singer of spread eagle you can follow the band on social media and check out their website for tour dates they may be coming to a town near you soon, so you can also stream their music, buy a shirt, and all that other great stuff. And if you like the band, you saw them live, then share your experience on social media and help promote them. Uh, you can share this interview on social media too and help out the band and my show. And of course, make sure you're subscribed to my YouTube channel and other social media. I'm going to post some short clips and all my full-length interviews on YouTube. Also, if you can, please give us a rating, a review, or a like where you're listening. I appreciate all your support for the guests and my show. Have a great day and shoot for the moon.